from the hangout room of the Impact Hub in the Pioneer Square neighborhood of downtown Seattle, Washington. This is Four Finger Shotguns. Ba-boom, ba-boom. Four Finger Shotguns is Zip Bang Wow's satirical podcast. Welcome to our special Getting to Know You episode. Zip Bang Wow is the people in this luxurious semi-soundproof room and on the phone, casually making podcasts, almost as if we knew what we were doing. We're going to start with me. I'm Johnny Wilder. I still don't have a license to practice business. Is it a license to practice business? It's not like law. It's not like law school. It's just a license to do business. Why do I even have a business license? Uh, You want a business license mostly to begin to protect yourself. Okay. Um, against liability, but if you're a sole proprietorship, mm-hmm. it's not going to protect. There's you no very protection much. Yeah. anyway. Um, so it's mostly just a, a trademark entity. Okay. Oh yeah, because I did that because I DBA Zipbang Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm the sole proprietor of Zipbang Wow, and I got my start at a, a uh, in the in the biz at a copy shop in Evanston, Illinois, right near the Northwestern University campus. Uh, there was a Macintosh, and I was learning uh, graphic design. And uh, the architect who owned the place told me to uh, make resumes for people. I don't know; I didn't know one thing from another. And he told me, "Just make it look good." That was my entire schooling because I, I didn't go to school. Well, because I flunked out of school. That, but that was my entire schooling in graphic design. Just make it look good. I eventually. Uh, ran into these two guys, uh, Chris Johnson and Tim Keck, who uh, had a newspaper called The Onion. And they needed a graphic designer. They needed someone to put it together. So I said, I'd be happy to do that. And uh, this was back before. That was the third issue of The Onion, I think. So, uh, it, you know, it wasn't, you know, famous and it wasn't online either. In fact, there there really wasn't much of an internet back then. But... Uh, I'm not going to go too much. We're going to, I'll tell stories later. There's, nobody really cares about that crap. Anyway, it's 1988. It's ancient history. Uh, I, I do want to shout out uh, William, Emily, Kelsey, Jonah, Tyler, Katie, and Brooke. Those are my uh, nieces and nephews. They're the next generation of knuckleheads in our family. Uh, I want to introduce Andre. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Okay. I'm a guy named Andre. Um, I am hanging out with Johnny Wilder. Um, we are kicking off this podcast. Um, my background is mostly in audio engineering, uh, also in product development, business development. Um, and I'm interested in making multimedia. And that's how Johnny and I met. I, I was I was I was <laughs> doing something in logic and you were handing out cookies and and really, that's, that's that's that was it. You don't need to say any more than no. that because I'm those, like, hey, is that logic? And I was like, hey, are those cookies? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we've been friends ever since. Uh, that's cool. Uh, you're also a musician. Oh yes, and uh, which is how you got into audio engineering and into technology, actually. And yeah. into, so you're not super old. Like I'm me. not super old, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in 83. I feel pretty old, 80, Wow, yeah. the, the year I graduated from high school. Yeah. So uh, the 83 uh, was not a technical time. So no. you grew up 
in uh, you know the '90s, mid '90s, late yep. '90s, mm-hmm. uh, right when technology was becoming accessible. That's right. Wow. What was that like? Well, uh, I'm a musician. I started playing when I was six, and uh, when I got into in the middle of the '90s, I was 12 or so. My brother was in. Uh, he was at the University of Memphis studying music technology. And he started to send me music he made in uh, on CDs. Wow. That, it was, that was his music, you know. And I was so mesmerized by this thing that I needed to figure out how to use a computer to compose music in 1996. Which at the time was not, you know, there's not a lot of... There were not feature-rich technologies uh, to right. accomplish this at the time. So uh, as a result, um, I got really into computers during that period of time, um, which has led me into a career in technology adjacent to my musicianship and my audio engineering uh, as well. Wow, cool. Uh, damn, I had a question. I, 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 I'm still learning how to podcast, <laughs> and, and I definitely know nothing about interviewing. Uh I, I had done a couple uh, test podcasts with Andy Spletzer, who we're going to talk to on the phone here any minute now. Uh, and the first thing I learned was being an active listener is terrible for podcasting. <laughs> because you, cause you should be thinking about your next question. This is what exactly what they tell you not to do. They're right. Like, don't, list, don't think about your next question when someone's speaking. Right, right. But as an interviewer, you kind of like – you have to be looking for that next question all the time. Exactly, yeah, and 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 that you know, or you know, making a note of it. And then the other thing is, uh, when I talk to people not on a microphone, I'm like, uh huh, yeah, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you don't want to do that during a podcast because nobody cares that I'm showing that I'm listening and engaged. <laughs> So uh, so I didn't do those things, and now I don't know what I'm going to say next. Uh, did you use Mac, Mac or PC? So when I started making music, it was PC at the time, in the mid-'90s. But I will say, to your the thing when you mentioned uh, someone having a Mac and you were working with, uh, with a print agency, huh. I remember when I was in high school working in the journalism department um, because I wanted to be a writer for sure at that age. Um, and there were... That's the first place I encountered a, a Macintosh computer. And it's shocking to think back about that, how impactful that was, like how much, how much more inviting that experience was as an art, artfully minded person to engage with technology. So, yeah, in high school, I started working on Mac computers and I have not I can barely engage with a PC these days. Oh, wow. Because I started using Mac back in um, 98 or so and I have not stopped. 98 was right when the uh, the Bondi Blue iMac came out. Mm-hmm. And Steve Jobs came back to Apple mm-hmm. and uh, and kind of turned the world around a little bit. And you, so you were a musician. You knew how to play several instruments before you learned how to produce them on the computer. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. So so from, from, from childhood. Yes. You've been a musician. And your band plays... Tuesday. Oh yeah, the twenty seventh. The twenty seventh, which is the day before this podcast is going to get released. Okay, so you guys will have just missed my show. Yeah, but you can, but you can find Unite One on April the twentieth at the Sunset Tavern. Um, so that's another opportunity to come see some live music. It's it's yeah. So I will have 
I will have watched. I will have gone Tuesday night awesome. to see the show. And uh, if it's terrible, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, then I'll put something in the show notes. Yeah, make sure everyone knows it's terrible. Okay, <laughs> and then I'll make sure whatever you do, don't show up on 420 at the Sunset Tavern in Ballard. It's the, the Sunset Tavern in Ballard. That's right. Okay. So uh, – so, but you know, if if you should go, then there won't be anything there at all. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so that's you. And uh, is there is there like a website that you want to? So I would. We have traditionally used Facebook as our proper form of engagement, but mm-hmm. because of the news this week, I'm not going to recommend that people go to Facebook and click like. Right. Yeah. Don't. Whatever you do. <laughs> Don't let people know that you heard this because Facebook's going to sell it to somebody who's then going to use it to make the world a horrible place. Mm-hmm. Help me help me out here cuz I am a little bit concerned. The the world is going to shit. Democracy is in horrible danger. Uh because some guys learned how to uh, collect data on everybody through social media websites and use that data to target people who are easily persuadable into voting in ways that put the thumb on the scale of bad things happening. Mm-hmm. Is that what happened? That's basically what happened. There's a little bit of – there's some details there though. So Facebook already collects all this data. So it's not necessarily shocking that the data exists somewhere. I think that what's shocking is that um, one part is people – a lot of people willfully dump their personal lives into social media not realizing that they're being productized. Their personalities, their digital selves, if you will, are being productized by industry. So that's the thing that this revelation has brought to bear, but also um, the tendencies of people. So 50 million people got uh, their data collected, but only, I think, less than 200,000 people actually use the application. And so they use the application, and in the in the documentation that uh, the the app creator provided, he asked, can we use your data can we see your friends' data? And so this group of 200,000 or so people enabled this application to go and mine all of their friends' data, which is how that number ballooned from 200,000 to 50 million. So this, this app is a Facebook it's – it's an app. I just, I, I just signed up for uh, Dropbox today. And as part of Dropbox, I gave it permission – to use an app. That's exact. It's a similar, simpler, similar thing that these folks must have done, right? Right. So basically, the app will have said, "We can use your Facebook data in these ways. Do you mm-hmm. approve?" And they will have said, "Okay." Except it probably didn't say that in so many words. It said that in a hundred thousand words. Hidden in a in a what are the the, the terms, tiny print? Yeah, the tiny print. Yeah. Terms of terms of endearment. Yeah. The, <laughs> Terms and conditions uh, mm-hmm. document that nobody ever reads. Yeah, because it's two hundred thousand words. Right. Yeah. So uh, that's good to know. So we have to figure out how to make that not happen. 
as a society, we have to, because democracy is, especially the United States, is democracy is the best system of government. Uh, I'm an idiot. I, <laughs> it's uh, it's the best one we know of. Yep. It's it's it. Until we find something better, we're stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and the United States, for all its faults, is kind of the standard bearer of it. Mm-hmm. Or 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 was was at some point yeah. <laughs> to whatever degree this is democratic, right? Right, right, right. Uh, you know, certainly other people are doing a better job uh, nowadays. Uh, the the whole point of the United States, and, and I, th- I think it's becoming more and more clear. I, I think uh, Jefferson was had intended our constitution would re- get rewritten at regular intervals. I, I think he even had a quote as far as you know, this is a good a good one. But thank goodness, f- future generations will come and write much better ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've made a couple changes to it. Good changes, I think, for the most part. Constitutional conventions, especially in this day and age, are really difficult to pull off. Uh, I I cannot imagine a more hilarious scenario than this particular Congress and these particular uh, state houses of the 50 states. Because in order to have a constitutional convention, it would be all of these knuckleheads all together trying to create a new constitution Mm -hmm. and everyone trying to make it so they personally benefited from it somehow. That's right. Mm -hmm. What can we do? Is there anything that people who are involved with technology today, because right now everyone's... So I'm starting a business and we've kind of talked about, you know, the trajectory of of what I would like to do. And and I've talked to a couple people and I and and I said, yeah, this thing we're creating can be data mined, <laughs> that that we can that we can get people's likes and dislikes, mm-hmm. and that's I was think I was being selfish, and I was like, yeah, I can get investors interested in this because it's data mineable, and. I want to start a business and I'd like to have investors. I'd like to I'd like the business my business to succeed. And in this day and age, uh in order to do that, I need to take people's information for free and sell it to other people. <laughs> that is one way. That's one thing you could do. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think um I think uh, I'm not sure that a business selling data is bad. What I think is the the people on the other side need to be crystal clear. They need to be very aware of what they're doing. Um, I don't even think necessarily Facebook is bad. I think people need to be aware of what they're how they're sharing their content. And I think that a lot of the concern and the shock and et cetera around people's data getting <laughs> resold, packaged up and, and utilized in these ways. The bad part is people didn't think about the fact that they're when they post pictures of their children, their young children on Facebook, that they are giving that data away. That it's not just I'm gonna hold it on Facebook. It is 
I'm giving Facebook my my child my child's photos. I'm giving them the beginning of like this data uh representation of my children starting from these young ages, right? And people should be thoughtful and careful about this. It's not as simple as it is to do um, logistically. It's not necessarily a simple distinction to make to begin to design this digital profile of of people, you know, whether an adult like me or or a child represented in that way, there's inherent risk there. And so I think if people just take more control over what and be more thoughtful around what they're actually sharing... Um, I think the other side of it is okay. It's just this thinly veiled separation between people who think they're just connecting with old friends, but they're actually designing a digital profile. If we're going to ask people to be more conscious about what they're sharing, I think it's also fair to ask people, because there's two halves of this, right? People were, were data mined, and they allowed somehow their friends to also be data mined. Uh, because the the terms of the terms of Facebook are we get to collect this information about you and your connections. Mm-hmm. So, so when their friends connected to to their friends, they gave permission to their friends to be able to sell their friendship. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so we have to be careful about what we share, but just as much we have to be careful about what we consume. Because that's the other half of this, right? That's right. That all of this data is useless if they don't then take that data and target us with advertising. Mm-hmm. And in this case, that advertising was political advertisements. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about Hillary Clinton a little bit because those were some of the ads. And so I was I was an adult when uh, Bill and Hillary were elected. <laughs> when Bill was elected as president, as president, okay. I was and an, I was a. Young person in the state of Arkansas when he was elected governor. Oh, that's right. You're from. Yeah. <laughs> you're. I am. <laughs> you guys were neighbors. Well, we lived in the same city, and my brother actually went to the inauguration because he was. Uh, he went to Horseman Junior High School with Chelsea Clinton, and many of those folks went to the inauguration in 1992. Yeah. Wow! So I have a little bit of connection there. Wow! Absolutely. <laughs> so, as as so, we were doing the stranger at the time. And uh, I remember, I remember very clearly that there was this that Bill and, and Hillary were a package deal. She was a lawyer. She was uh, an activist. She was a feminist uh, at a time when being a feminist was not that it's you know it's cooler now than it, than it used to. It used to be you know not cool back then and she was and she was the embodiment of hope and change at that time and then she went to china for i forget exactly what it was but it was uh, a women's conference that changed a lot of people uh you know i met people that came i didn't go to it but i met people like you know especially young people who came back from that invigorated uh and ready to take on the world since then there was this kind of right-wing hate machine so Fox News started up this Hillary Clinton hate, and the internet started snowballing on it. We get to today, and Hillary Clinton's one of the most hated people in politics. And, and this wasn't anything she did. Like, she didn't—99% of the stuff she's hated for, she didn't have anything to do with. Uh, it was it was a character assassination that was wrought by people— 
who who didn't like her and didn't like that she was this embodiment of powerful women. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to 2016. She's running for president. They pull out all that stuff and call her Crooked Hillary. Those ads, those Crooked Hillary ads, were what Cambridge Analytica created and then used that data to target people who would be susceptible to a crooked Hillary ad or who would be successful, and both on the left and the right, right? And, and especially people on the left, people who would be swayed by a Bernie got robbed mm-hmm. and it's Hillary's fault because she's a bad person. I think, of, I, I think, and I get into arguments with my friends about this a lot. How, what do you trust on the internet? Um, I sent, I sent a friend, uh, an article from John Hopkins University. It was a medical article. They asked me a medical question, and I sent him an article from Johns Hopkins University. Uh, this is a very smart person. Uh, this person read that and said, uh, "I looked at the front page, and there was an article about how mandalas are healing. So I'm not going to trust what you just sent me." Despite the fact that it was a it was an article about how you know coloring in mandalas was uh, a soothing thing, mm-hmm. it, it, we've gotten to the point where some people trust everything, and some people trust nothing, mm-hmm. and democracy can't survive it with that kind of ignorance. And not not to say that it's not it's not an ignorance of well, you're dumb. It's an ignorance of we're all overloaded with data and we don't know what's true and false anymore. What, what do we do? <laughs> Andre, well, save us. <laughs> I'm not sure. There's, I mean, the thing is, is so just to step back for a second, what Cambridge Analytica did, it sounds terrible, right? But is it terrible? Is it just, is it, a, is it some brilliant business move they made? Because they got, what they intended to get out of this, right? And they use data in a very directed way. Um, I think for for democracy, it's a terrible thing. But you have to think of the business and what a business leader is saying, likely, you know, which is, hey, we paid this much for this data and we got this outcome, right? Um, I don't support Cambridge Analytica. That's not my point. I'm just saying, you know, we have to think about what's, what what does this actually mean and remember that, constantly in it we're constantly being bombarded with data that's intended to sway us in some way or another and i think just starting to be being conscious and on that level is super duper important being aware of the fact that when you see a commercial it is trying to change your mind about something right it's not it's not just some cool commercial with a with a doggy cartoon you know it's intended to sway you you know you're you're thinking about something and um, I don't know what we can do about the internet and specifically being sp- understanding what's real or and what's not real. Um, cause we made it all up. I mean, that's the world we made. The internet is the world we made. So mm-hmm. it's going to be really difficult for us to like in the long term translate from that world we created to what actually is real in this world. Um, so I think that's just going to be an ongoing challenge that we have to face and, and hopefully, um, if we can speed up legislation to move some manner as quickly as um, our technology is growing, then maybe we can st- 
start addressing some of these issues be- before they, for example, sway a democratic ele- election. You know, um, but it's a huge, it's a huge question, a huge problem. So now it's your turn. Why don't you solve the problem? Okay, so <laughs> I feel a little bit responsible for creating the problem. And the reason why is because I helped start The Onion. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, my Facebook profile <laughs> says, uh, I helped invent fake news. And we back then, we did it the hard way using hardly any Russian hack- hackers. <laughs> we... And and it's not you know we didn't invent anything new. I mean there were Har- Harvard Lampoon, there were a lot of uh, you know Saturday Night Live. There were a lot of really smart people doing uh, news comedy long before you know we we grew up on that, and uh, we just wanted to do our version of it. Uh, it got popular, and and when I was there, you know again it was all kind of pre-public internet, you know. We tried to uh, make Donna Shalala was one of them where, uh, you know, we tried to make her look foolish because for us at the University of Wisconsin-Madison at the time, she was an authority figure using satire to, uh, you know, make authority, take, take, to knock authority figures off of their pedestals, you know, whether they deserved it or not. I mean, she wasn't a bad person at all at the time. We just, she was an authority figure. We were young, and so, and we tried to make her look stupid because that's what we did. And that's what young people all over the world do. They do it today. They've been doing it for ever since they were young people. We, so, so then uh, you get things like The Daily Show uh, with Jon Stewart and then, and now Trevor Noah. Uh, Great comedians uh, doing insightful social commentary, blurring that line between what's real and the things that don't matter. I I never I I don't intend, by saying this I don't intend to say we should get rid of it all <laughs> because that's that's not there's a. A saying that the the tree of liberty uh, needs to be constantly watered with the blood of patriots. I think I think I personally take liberty for granted, uh, and this happens I think with everybody. We forget how much work it is to maintain civilization. That our natural state as human beings is at war with each other fighting over scarce resources because we live in a society of of plenty you know and, and which isn't to say that people who aren't getting that as much of that plenty as other people are that that exists and that's real and needs to be addressed but most of us especially in Seattle in 2018 we are the kings of the world and we forget how much work it is to maintain that we have to we have to realize that all of this plenty all of these wonderful things that we have freedom liberty safety we have so much safety all of these things come at a price and that price is a, is our responsibility uh to maintain them to not just sit and watch netflix all day that those are the the bounties 
of the freedom we enjoy. And I'm not saying don't enjoy those things, but it's so easy to get and feel like, well, it's always been that way. I I didn't have to do anything to build that because people who came before us did all that work to build that. We have to be grateful. We forget to be grateful Mm -hmm. for all of the stuff that we have. Uh, when we really look and realize, you know, we live in a world of, uh, you know, we're going to have autonomous cars and and uh, and everyone's got a little personal communicator that uh, that just reminded me I forgot to call Andy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have all this cool stuff and uh, and we forget, we forget and uh, and we get you know. We get stuck sharing all of our stuff on Facebook, mm-hmm. and then uh, when someone tells us we can have free lunch, we forget that there's no such thing as a free lunch. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, I'm going to read an ad. Okay. Except I'm not going to say that I read an ad. I'm just going to like pretend like I'm just going to go right into it. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Before we continue, I'd like to talk with you about some important news that's recently come to our attention. The environment is important to us all, especially the environment in our most important private spaces, our gardens. Now, you may already know the importance of turpentine for your garden. Millions do. But if I told you that the days of turpentining your garden have come to an end? Because Turpentine 2.0, your garden practically turpentines itself. The developers of Turpentine work right here in the Impact Hub, and they've given us access to beta versions we've been testing for months. The shipment of Turpentine 2.0 just came in from Sensen, and it's worth the wait. Set up as a snap. You just lift and pour, and wow. And it's not just for gardens anymore. Driveways, gutters, windows will never be the same. The kids will have the time of their lives. Just pour Turpentine 2.0 on your swimming pool, and they'll enjoy the rainbow colors for hours and hours. Turpentine 2.0 is available for pre-order from Totter's Party Outlet, and soon will be available on shelves at Swiggly's Piggly Cafeteria and Hippie Market, just in time for spring planting and cleaning season. Our families love Turpentine 2.0, and so will yours. So, uh, let me try and call Andy. Yeah. Hey Siri, call Andy Spletzer. Oh, wait, let's try this. Hey Siri, call Andy Spletzer. Calling Andy Spletzer. Oh, you have the Australian accent. Uh, yeah, it's oh, the yeah. same one that I have. That's oh, so odd. It's the best one. It is the best one. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Andy. I'm Johnny. What's happening? Hey. Uh, so we're calling. We were just talking about uh, that we live in a world with flying cars and personal communicators. Not flying cars, autonomous cars and personal communicators. And and I realized I forgot to call you. Well, I was just about to jump into my own car anyway. Oh, and you're on what? Oh, your own autonomous car? Not yes. Of course. <laughs> Are you on speaker? I am on speaker because I'm getting. I have to go pick up my wife from the from the uh, light rail. Okay, so uh, we're recording right now, and uh, I just wanted to. I just wanted to do a real quick thing to to say hi to you. Motion on. Okay, hold on. I'm taking off. <laughs> His house is talking okay. to him right now. Is that your house? <laughs> yeah, I just turned my house on. Oh, wow. Uh, Autonomous house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andy, uh, 
I met I met Andy uh, when he came to Seattle in 1991 to start uh, a newspaper. When I when I was doing when I when when someone said, "Hey, you should start a podcasting company," I said, "You know what? I'm not going to do it without Andy." <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about the newspaper. Like, <laughs> uh, you didn't know me. <laughs> no, but but I know you now. And uh, and and so, uh, why don't you tell people why I would say that? Say something nice about yourself. I used to be six feet tall, and now I'm five eleven, or ten and a half, according to the doctor. Is that? Not, I don't know. But is that? Did that happen? That's the first thing real? that popped into my head when when I said talk about yourself. You know, we've just been talking about fake news, <laughs> and now and now you're full of it. Well, uh, yeah. So, so you really went from six feet to ten, to five eleven? Yeah, according to uh, according to my uh, annual physical. Huh. Wow, that's I'm shrinking. Cool. That's pretty cool. Maybe things changed because yeah. I went to six. Uh, I went to six three. From I, I well, from I, I, used, I used to be uh, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> I used to be uh, five two or six two. And uh, and then I spent uh, uh, ten years in a wheelchair, not being able to walk, and learned how to walk again. And now I'm six three. Oh, you stretched out. I stretched out, and which you wouldn't but think you were would on happen. the rack. But I was like I was, just very much as if I was. I I, I want to ask you. Uh, you're going to start a podcast. I am. And uh, why not? This is a podcasting company that we're it is a podcasting company, which you know it it you know honestly I feel bad that we're doing so many podcasts it feels a little bit like nepotism like because we know the uh, owners we get to make our own yeah I suppose there's that pretty soon people will be clamoring for their own you know once they see how easy it is <laughs> I don't know I'm I'm on the back roads I'm in my car I know and you're not supposed to be talking to us I, I well I'm hands free. I'm oh, talking oh, to the steering wheel. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's all legal. Okay. All right. Good. So you used to be the film uh, film editor for the Stranger. Is that right? I was back in the day. I did that. I took over for Matt Cook when you wore a younger man's clothes. That was a long time ago. Yeah, it was. It was. That was twenty some years ago. Way longer. Wait, but but you did it until when? I did it until I was the editor until like ninety nine or two thousand somewhere oh, really? in there. And then you told them to go take a hike? Uh, then a new editor came in, and uh, she started to micromanage, so I started to leave. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good for you. And now, you, uh, and now you're and now you a programmer for SIF. Yep. That launched me uh, yeah, behind the scenes. So I, I work on films. I work on independent films. I work on commercials. Um, and I work for the Seattle Film Festival. Wow, cool. And you have an Emmy. I produced a short documentary that won a regional Emmy. An Emmy. It's a real Emmy. It's a real Emmy. It's It's as good as all the other Emmys. Little thing holding that wire globe. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It still blows me away that that happens. Yeah. Me too, sometimes, when I look at it. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll win a couple more for you. Like one that that actually, does that one have your name on it? Yes, it does. Oh, okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll win you some more. Do they have okay. podcasts for Emmys or Emmys for podcasts? <laughs> maybe, uh, I'm maybe not that, sure. I think there's pretty soon there will be. Maybe that's what we should start. 
We should foregrow the whole podcasting thing and go into the Emmys for podcasting thing. Okay. Well, I'm, uh, I got to take off now. All right. Well, thanks for, thanks for being here, Andy. And then, uh, sure um, thing. and, uh, we'll have you live in the studio next time. It'll be very exciting. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye, Andy. Drive You're safe. Right. Will do. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. That went better than I thought it yeah. would. Awesome. <laughs> you got all the cool phone sounds and everything. Yeah. Series sure. on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. All right. That's it. That's that. Uh, and then I was going to tell a story about net neutrality, but blah. All right. Cool. That was fun. That was fun. Thank you, audience. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Johnny Wilder, and this has been a Getting to Know You episode of... Uh, the hell is four finger shotguns boom 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 uh and uh we got we got stuff coming next time uh we're gonna have ai assistants that didn't make the cut uh crickets and uh russian troll farmville which is kind of a stardew valley for russian bots go to zipbangwow.com slash ffs and uh subscribe to four finger shotguns will you please I want to thank Andre Bearfield for joining me today and for the guidance and collaboration on various projects, past, present, and hopefully future. Unite-One.com is the website for Unite One, but you can also find them on Facebook.com slash Unite One Band. They have Bandcamp and SoundCloud pages, so be sure to check those out. Unite One will be playing at the Sunset Tavern in Ballard with Whitney Manger on April 20th. Tickets are available at SunsetTavern.com. Thanks for listening. Zip bang. Wow. This has been a Zip Bang Wow production.